This is The First Stop, a podcast with the aim of exploring the minds of artists in and around New Haven. I'm your host, David Livingston, an artist and educator at University of New Haven. In this episode, we'll navigate the mind of New Haven-based artist Zachary Keaton. The works discussed in this podcast can be found on our blog at firststopart.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at firststop.art. Zach's bold and vigorous paintings appear to harness the momentum of mid-century American Expressionism, but they have an orderly logic to them. Each explosive brushstroke seems to have been carefully placed. The compositions are wildly emotional, while at the same time meticulously layered. Zach's paintings can be enjoyed without any backstory, but they often allude to deeply personal memories. fun to go to your studio and see what you were up to in there and see your process. Um, I was wondering if you could describe your process for making your current paintings. What do you do? Like, how do you start a painting? How do you end a painting? There's a lot of free improv. Uh, so the, the recent paintings have been um, all painted on absorbent grounds. So that's a stretch canvas that is um, just stained with acrylic. Mm -hmm. um, so the first few passes, um, whatever those are, are generally line work, shapes. Uh, they tend to absorb into the ground, so they get a little bit um, misty, mm -hmm. diaphanous, uh, translucent. And then, uh, and then as I work the paintings up, um, I sort of figure out what the composition needs to be. Uh, the paint gets thicker, gets a little crustier, chunkier, more geologic. And if all goes well, I have a nice balance between uh, that which is soft and that which is really crisp and um, grabbable with your eyes. So, so th that's yeah. kind of that's how I'm, I'm working on the new paintings. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, uh -huh. it seems like the geological and the crustiness mm -hmm. of the outer surface mm -hmm. is important to you on some almost a personal level. Mm -hmm. I like I get that sense. Yeah. And same with the softness, too. Mm hmm. Um, and I'm just wondering if you could elaborate on what that is for you, if there is a way of talking about it. Um, I hope that they're emotive for you. I get looking that. At them. Yeah. Um, so evocative of um, energy states. Mm -hmm. I guess is the is the. I mean, they're they're elemental. Mm -hmm. um, I don't uh, I don't generally set out to make paintings of um, volcanoes. <laughs> right. But I hope they have that kind of um, uh, flux, that kind of uneasy merger between the, the fluid and the, you know, the solid and the gas. It would be great, too, if they um, are for you evocative of group situations or, or group encounters so that um, that which is misty and that which is um, less so uh, could feel like um, an encounter of sorts. Like they're like the two sort of elements are confronting each other, or not necessarily. Conf sure, it doesn't have to be sure, confrontational. Like, like, but sure, like like you as a fluid entity, yeah, meeting me as a crusty guarded entity. 
Yeah. So here in this here in this interview. Yeah. yeah totally. I'm definitely right. the crusty one. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're moving around. You're slipping. You're know, sliding. I'm trying to. I'm trying yeah. to yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting, right? This. Uh-huh. The, so does that come from? Because there are so many different ways of talking about the way that you make your paintings. Uh-huh. Because on one hand, there's a scientific kind of almost tinkery kind of I'm mixing these materials and the materials are doing this for me mm-hmm. and there's this pleasure mm-hmm. in and there's a pleasure for the viewer too to right. see that right and I think that's a big part of your work too but there's also an emotional you're like you're talking about emotional states too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how do those two I mean parts of you do you feel like you're a are you kind of a science like what were you like as a kid were you into science or were you emotional or like or both uh, you can be all of them <laughs> yeah i was not that interested in science yeah um yeah my stepfather was a scientist i don't mean so, to say science science yeah. is the wrong term for yeah. what i'm saying i don't mean to say science but there is a kind of a mastery of the materials and thinking like you must think about like this amount of paint does this versus this amount yeah and this kind of medium does this sure um I wouldn't say an interest in chemistry is, is driving yeah. it. Um, what is, yeah, what is it's, driving it's it? Not, it's not an overt interest in the mystical, um, alchemical um, hunt for gold either. Uh, I'm just trying to make kick-ass paintings with plastic. And I'm usually disappointed in acrylic paintings. I'd say the, the vast majority of all the work that I love is made with oil. Mm-hmm. Um, acrylic suits my temperament. I can cover it up really quick. I'm ruthless, you know, day to day. Um, so I've just been working really um, doggedly on making acrylic paintings that don't suck. Mm, I gotcha. Yeah. So, so, so it's 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 not an interest in the chemistry of it. Yeah. It's um, just trying to make really great paintings, and I feel like I need to um, wrestle with them and uh, hit the approach obliquely in many cases, mm-hmm. like. Um, I, I, I don't want the paintings to look tricky, but there are a number of tricky maneuvers that I have incorporated into my vocabulary. I think that the trickiness, mm-hmm. and I didn't, you're, that's your word, yeah. I didn't necessarily yeah. see it. I wasn't like, yeah. ooh, this is tricky, but. Right. I'd, that... hate, I'd hate for the paintings to look like, um, like a drum seminar. You, you know when you, you. I have no idea what a drum um, seminar. So it's like, uh, uh, like demonstration pieces. You yes. know, when, like when, like, right, right, where you're, where you're, just you're like, kind you're just of like, like soloing point and showing one, off. like yeah. step one, you do this, step two, you do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get that at all. Right. Um, and that's not where I'm even okay. going with it mm-hmm. at all. Um, I guess I, I think one of the things that interests me, and I, and you've talked about this, mm-hmm. is the fact that your paintings are dealing with these expressive gestures. Mm-hmm. But they're also controlled, mm-hmm. right? So it's mm-hmm. it's control and kind of like blah expression, right? And I think that's one of the things that is makes them interesting and makes them not because there are a lot of big brushstroke paintings around, and there are a lot of you know there's a long history of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the things that, from my perspective, makes your work really interesting is that there is this kind of sense of like everything on some level is thought out, but at the same time, not thought out. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what interests me about the specificity of your sort of process Mm -hmm. and the way in which you're manipulating paint. 
hmm. in these specific ways. Yeah. Well, thanks for saying so. No problem. <laughs> there is a lot of control in the work. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to um, hold the reins loosely, but um, that's relative. Mm -hmm. So you showed me this really interesting thing in your studio. Kind of, it seemed like it was a part of the process that was about changing changing the game every time. Yeah. But this like pile of newspapers uh -huh. in your uh -huh. studio. Uh-huh. Um, can you talk about how that works, what you're doing? Sure. It's maddening radio. I just can't point. Um, <laughs> That's okay. You have to describe for the okay. people. All right. This is fine. Yeah. This is description. Fun. So um, the paintings are, um, generally speaking, uh, shapes and gestures mm -hmm. or shapes and energy. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I build them both on an easel and on the floor. So when um, I need to strategize or figure out what I'm going to do or lay in a shape, it's on the easel. So I get to stand back. Mm -hmm. I, can, I can consider you know, what I want the composition to be or what's bugging me about the composition or what um, annoys me about what I did yesterday that needs mm -hmm. to be concealed and covered up. Um, that'll all happen on the easel. Um, and so what I've been doing for the last few years is I make loose masks. It's, I, I rip newspaper and I make these um, jagged, somewhat organic forms that they're just shapes mm -hmm. and then into those uh windows of ripped newspaper i'll lay smooth paint i'll, I'll just I'll, I'll lay in paint I'll, I'll scrape it smooth and it's a nice um platform or uh a, a zone in which to throw energy it's wet mm -hmm. um because i, I want to paint wet into wet as um frequently as i possibly can um my paintings earlier weren't like that, but there was a lot of hard edge masking. So, mm -hmm. so there, right. there used to be masking and it was all hard edge. Now there's masking. It's kind of loose. It's like floppy. Uh, it's, it barely contains the, the form. Mm -hmm. um, and the mask invariably comes off pretty quick. Sometimes there's a spill on there while the mask is still um, attached to the surface. Um, but then the, the painting ends up on the floor. And um, so the so my, my refuse, the, the, the newspaper that's got some paint on it, ends up in my trash can. The painting's on the floor. And I look at the trash can because it's this ever-evolving, ever-changing um, heap of, of cutback edges. Yeah. It's real serpentine. It's um, complex. It's crazy. And like every, every 20 minutes, it's different because of, you know, of my masking. I'm just throwing stuff on top of it. Um, so, that, yeah, that's what I stare at when I make my line work. And I, I was reading that you used... So it's observational. It's observational. The, the line work and, is all observational. And that's that's another fascinating thing because the paintings also have a three-dimensionality to them. Like, mm. they're, they seem to be about surface or playing with the idea of, like, the painted surface. Mm -hmm. But then they are sort of vaguely illusionistic. Like, mm. they have a kind of sense of depth. Like, are these... Ob you know, you talk about things kind of colliding with each other. Yeah. I'd like it, them to be intensely illusionistic. Yeah. You know what a better term uh -huh. for what I said, like vague is not the right term, more um, they're an impression of an intense illusion. You know what I mean? Because you're working so fast and mm. deliberate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe that has to do with the thickness of those shapes. Like, yeah. It's thick paint into yeah, which yeah. I'm, I'm dragging yeah. and punching the, the gesture. And if you look at the painting and you think about you know, a newspaper pile, Yeah, you see it immediately, right? But <laughs> uh -huh. a lot of people walking in to see the paintings don't have that backstory. What have people thought, have people sort of 
immediately picked up on it as being observational? No. They're kind of enigmatic. They are. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> it, that brings me to another thought that I was kind of having about your work, which is, I mean, do you think of them also as collages? Uh, they're built in the spirit of collage. Yeah. I don't think of them as collage, no. They are paintings, but the way in which you are masking out shapes and overlaying them yeah. makes me think of collage. Yeah, they're, they're cobbled together in a way, um, like collage. But I, I think of it too as um, like distinct moments in life. It's like, here's the radio interview. Mm -hmm. and 20 minutes um, earlier, it, it wasn't. So mm -hmm. I'm, in the paintings, I'm trying to cobble together uh, different experiences in that way. I, I, th I think of life as, uh, as collage-like. I think it's why collage has um, persisted. It feels like the way memories are built up in your head or the way the day kind of unfolds. It's bit, also... Bit to bit to bit to bit with overlap, mm -hmm. um, jarring contrast. It seems also very much like a contemporary way of experiencing the world to me. You mean like 20th century contemporary? Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, sure. well, I mean, obviously collage yeah. came out of an earlier time, but... Yeah they were dealing with, you know, photography and magazines and mm -hmm. sort of mm -hmm. seeing the world mediated through stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, we see the world mediated and fractured and yeah. stuff. I would, I, I feel would, like, I would agree. Yeah. I, I, I still think it's, um, the same struggle to make sense of our lives. It's interesting because my, my perception of, of, uh, of my own work is, and this is just a hunch, is I, I, I kind of feel like it, it might be um, thought of as old-fashioned. Maybe mm. I, I worry about that at times. You know, like, you know, you're just looking at, looking mm -hmm. at it on a computer here. Um, I mean, does it just look like painting from another era? I mean, I, I sent you images of, of influences. Yeah. And these are people from the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. I know. I noticed and, that. And um, for me, it just seems like yesterday, like in the grand scheme of things, like mm -hmm. 60 years ago isn't anything. Um, I also sent you uh, images by Van der Weyden and yeah. the Northern Renaissance. Um, Do you want to and, talk? And, and then the ways in which those paintings are built feel um, incredibly fruitful still. <laughs> talk so about anyway, that. So my, so you... my perception of my own work is I'm, I'm not I'm not sure how it's um, I'm not sure how it's perceived. I, f I feel a little out of step with um, uh, with much of contemporary painting. I mean, I see a lot of fast painting happening, mm -hmm. fast thin painting. I know the desire of many people is to keep it um, fresh and urgent, and speed is kind of the, um, I guess, most sensible way of going about that. But these paintings are built pretty slowly. I mean, there is speed in the sections, but um, but yeah, I'm, I'm working up, up bit by bit over a number of weeks. So yeah, maybe, well, that's... maybe they are old fashioned. I don't, I don't think they're old fashioned. Okay. I, uh, I just wonder. They're built out of acrylic too, so that's weird. You know, it's a weird thing. You're strange. You're referencing mm -hmm. like you know, like Abex pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, but I don't. The term referencing is an interesting one. Um, that brings to yeah. mind like postmodernism. Like they're they're sort of like. I don't get. I don't ironic. get ironic. Yeah. Distance yeah. though, but I think that I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting one. Yeah, because. <sighs> Referencing, yeah, I, I mean, it's, what are you doing? What's going on? <laughs> uh, I would describe it as modernism. So yeah. you're just I'm, like, I'm, I'm, modernism I'm, never ended and I'm just continuing it. Is that your outlook? Uh, it, it may have yeah. ended. Yeah. 
but I'm continuing it. Yeah. How do you feel about postmodernism? Do you think it's what would be an what would be a concrete like um, example? Gosh, like, that's a hard quintessential. Like I, I just I don't want to generalize. I mean, it's hard for me to just say that. Uh, you know, I sort of talk about like yeah a lot uh, like you know a lot of contemporary painting is fast and thin. I mean, that's a terrible generalization. Right. There's just I mean, I feel like we live in this time where there's so many artists, mm -hmm. there's so many people doing so many different things yeah. that you can try to talk about generalize it, it and yeah. generalize it. Yeah. But it's very hard to sort through. Right. I think it'll take a long time for people to figure out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what the through line the, is, um, you know. I mean just just the fact that there are so many people making um so much different work is really exciting. Yeah. It's uh it's maddening. It's impossible to hold it all in your head. But back to the back to the modernism yeah. thing. Yeah. What is what's important to you about modernism personally as an artist? It's bravery. Describe what is brave about modernism. Um it's uh forging forth despite indifference. What do you mean by indifference? Um, or mm, it's general um, disinterest. Yeah. Pop popular disinterest. Yeah. Popular. Um, like people not caring about the work itself. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. saying this is important to us, so keep, we're keep, going to do this. Going, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I get that now. So actually, so what I was talking about earlier with you know my own. Um, um, wondering about how my work is perceived in itself feels very like a modern um, moment of anxiousness. Like, I don't know if anybody's understanding this stuff. Like, who mm -hmm. is this for? Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, those, those sort of questions. About, Absolutely. Like, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a long, lonely road, you know, that, that kind of anxiety. But Yeah. But you connect with it. The work, yeah, yeah, so, very so, much so. so yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. So it's, I'm, I'm well, not, I connect yeah, with it because yeah. I, I feel like abstraction mm -hmm. is important in our times mm -hmm. because I feel like it has an ability to convey so many different things at the same time. I feel like that's important because mm -hmm. there's so much stuff that's out there. If you spend enough time on like Twitter, <laughs> like I do, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that's sort of telling you exactly what something is or what's right or what's wrong. Mm. I think there is an importance to uh, taking it slow mm. because there's so much trigger reaction mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a lot of it's, it's sort of junk food in a way. And I think mm. that, you know, reading a book is something that we could all do more or I, I, I should speak for myself. Mm -hmm. I could read a book more than I go online and read the news and, I don't know why I'm, we're maybe we're veering off mm. here, but I don't know. You're you're talking about with your paintings, cutting up newspapers and reading the news and sort of yeah. trying to make sense of it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right in your work, mm -hmm. and it ends up kind of being this garbled, abstract mess <laughs> that we can kind of get a sense of something out of, but it's more complex. Like, and that's what I feel like abstraction is about: is that there isn't a you can't name it with a word or sum it up very easily. Do you feel that? Yeah. I, I mean, I talk about 
I talk about art a lot I yeah. mean, through, through the um, the video project. That I yeah, I want to talk about that too. Sure. So I do talk about art quite a lot and I think about art all the time. And um, yeah, I, I would, I would, um, I would say there's a, um, uh, it's kind of a, t a loaded term, but a, like a, a poetic impulse mm -hmm. um, in the paintings I've been making in the last few years. Um, like what, what is that in terms of visuals? I guess mm -hmm. it's, I guess it, it's it's open to interpretation. They're not. Um, I, I try and make them as smart as possible. Mm -hmm. um, not dumbed down. I think what you're sort of saying, and like you know, the news feed, everything's like sort of like <clears throat> winnowed down to little bits of information, mm -hmm. like little factoids. Um, I guess I'd I'd hope that they're smart and um, they they give the viewer um, room to breathe room to explore, room to come up with their own conclusions. Yeah. Um, so um, richness, density, complication, uh, a type of uh, thickness is critical. A lot of artists who've come on to this show have talked about the palimpsest in relation to their work. Okay. Do you think about that at all in your work? Like the idea of layering and coding and different things coming forward and kind of a... Con a confused layered message. I just thought about that when you mentioned thickness, you know, in the painting. I'm not necessarily confused. I, I wouldn't have used that term, but yeah. um, thickness, um, yeah. kind of beautiful confusion for sure. Mm -hmm. A natural confusion, like the confusion that you see when you look out the window. Right. Um, the world doesn't make sense to me. So I'm trying to um, closely emulate the creator. When you say the creator, is that is that a god figure whoever or made all this. whoever made all that? Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's, so, a, there's a title that I want to use at some point. It's called um, The Creator's Plagiarist. Nice. I haven't made that painting yet, but I intend to. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, no, I, that's, that's cool. Well, you brought up titles. So let's just take, for example, I mean, you have a lot of different kinds of titles, it seems like. They kind of go in all different directions. But looking at this one right here, uh, vitamin L, vitamin A, mm -hmm. what were you thinking about when you titled it? LA. Got it. So because <laughs> so, of the warmth of the painting kind of, or? Yeah, I'd, um, I'd just gotten back from LA with my wife and um, I've been working on that painting and I really like it out there. So it's a mm -hmm. little love letter to LA. That's nice. <laughs> it's mostly, um, Crazy, the painting, yeah. cr crazy energy. But the upper right-hand corner has this um, kind of, uh, it's like a little clear, it's a little more manicured. Mm -hmm. Felt like that was an element in L.A. as well. I see, yeah. That, 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 that's just a little bit of uh, the manicured part of L.A. Yeah, well, <laughs> that almost reminds me a little bit of, um, God, why is the name ex escaping me? But didn't Roy Lichtenstein like make a, do a big brush stroke in his kind of stylized way that was supposed to be a little like giving the finger to the abex <laughs> move like it has a little bit of that uh -huh. energy uh -huh. in it uh-huh where it is very manicured yeah and then you have the kind of abex stuff looking stuff yeah. all over it you yeah know? I, i'm not giving the finger to either the messy or the manicured i yeah, yeah. i don't get that from your yeah. paintings yeah. um i'm trying to hold it all it like hug it all I would like them to be um, radically democratic, um, not comfortable, but radically democratic in surface, in touch, in color, in energy, in mood. 
when a viewer comes in to look at a painting, what do you want them to see or get or feel? Um, and that's a general question, I should say. Let's just say this one. Yeah. Vitamin, uh, let's keep it specific. Vitamin yeah. L and vitamin A. Uh, that they're not alone. That they're traveling through life with someone else. So it's a, it's sort of a communication of like, I'm sharing with you my experience of... Being alive. Being alive. Yeah. <laughs> so let's... That's old fashioned. It's not old fashioned. Well, yeah. no, I mean... <laughs> It, in some respects, it's refreshingly, um, it's honest. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think that people in general, mm -hmm. there are some people that are very cynical and there are some people that are very sophisticated, but I think a lot of us have our sort of secret tender feelings <laughs> that we, or songs or whatever that are, mm -hmm. that we don't want other people to see us, mm -hmm. like, enjoying, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. because they don't fit into our sort of sense of being sophisticated or yeah. so i'm trying to i'm trying to bring that tenderness forward so we're looking just for everybody's information yeah. we're looking at um a painting that uh Zach did in 2017 entitled words of jeer so what were you going to say sorry i interrupted so I'm trying, you i'm trying to bring that tenderness forward yeah um there are many there are many times and this is a, a great example of that where I want the painting to hurt um, but but I want to um, convey that um, as lovingly as possible um, I mean pain, pain is a part of moving through life um, so th this this I, I thought of as a um, as a challenging painting for me to make but um, necessary the title came from a poem that struck me um and yeah and it's it's, it's i mean it's, it's a painting that's almost representational there's sort of the upper right hand corner is a little bit like a like a skull like structure um mm -hmm. it happened very spontaneous um but i knew i didn't need i, I didn't need to cover that up so is it sort of um um dealing with mortality kind of painting is no, it just a hurtful words hurtful words yeah yeah it's interesting to see a painting that's ab abstract, talking about words. I like that mm. kind of, but it, it seems to be showing what it feels like to be hit that, with certain that's, words, that's, right? That's great if, if, you, if you take that away from this painting. Yeah, I do. Great. <laughs> what made you want to paint this painting? Um, I mean, humans are just terrible to one another. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I mean, as part of this, this sort of idea of embracing it all. I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to run from that. Mm hmm. So it's as simple. It's as simple as that. And um, it all seems so divisive now, you know. Yeah, it and, does. And words are sort of the, uh, the front line of that attack. Yeah. How did you come up with the palette? I mean, the palette seems very important. The gestures are very important, but the color palette is also, uh, I don't know, what, what did you, what were you thinking about when you decided to go with that kind of dark blue, black, and then this sort of red mm -hmm. and white? It seems, yeah, maybe I, it's an I, American, th is it America? <laughs> is that what I, I was just like, red, white, and blue. <laughs> yeah. A uh, charred. A charred American. Okay, sure. cool. Sure. 
So that's why the black kept coming into it. Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah, because I didn't have that immediate. I wasn't because uh-huh. it looks kind of like a bloody thing. Yeah, and I didn't until I was like color palette, like red, like literally identify the colors. I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> Not that it you have to get it uh-huh. to experience the painting. There's also a sort of like a crashing waves feeling in it a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the bottom for sure. It's like kind of getting um, overwhelmed. That's an it's an that's an interesting painting. Thank you. So what about yeah. this? One? I I actually saw that one at well, up, the up, up in, in yeah. Washington yeah. Art Association. So this painting's called uh, Walker Mountain Lookout. When I was growing up, for a number of years, I lived with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad passed away when I was a baby. Um, and so I'd hear stories about my dad, and one of the stories that my mom would would mention from time to time is uh, about how he worked as a um, a ranger, I, I, like a like in a lookout tower. Okay, cool. Like looking out yeah. for forest fires. It was like a summer job that he had when he was young, and I'd never known where he did that. Um, I didn't know the year. I didn't know. I didn't know where he'd done that. And so when my mom passed away a couple of years ago, I inherited a lot of paperwork. Sorry and to hear that. Boxes of, of old stuff that she'd had down in the basement. And I came across a letter that he'd written to his sister um, that had somehow gotten into that box. And uh, so, yeah, he'd worked on the top of um, Mount Walker in Oregon. And, uh, and so I was able to look online um, for the, the lookout tower the cabin where he stayed. Oh, wow. And I actually found the, like the view that like you can go up into this lookout tower and you can see the view. So I spent a little while just kind of like staring at the, the view that he looked at in the summer of 1960 at the cabin, at the tower, and I felt closer to him. And so this is a painting um, for my dad. So it's, it's jungle-like. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a little bit like the view that... that um, you can see a mountain range there. <laughs> is there a person there? Is that a person? I hadn't I hadn't thought of like populating it like that. I, I was just thinking of of the the mass of the of the forest. Mm. Um uh, that uh, kind of pal- palpable thickness of the forest. Um I actually felt a lot closer to my dad um going through all that stuff when my mom passed away. There were just things that she'd never told me about him. It was an interesting experience. And so you sort of discovered stuff you're saying. Mhm when your mom passed away that was yeah. hidden somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. So it's n- it's not a diaristic painting, but it definitely um it's rooted in in that experience of of uh trying to trying to get closer to my dad. So what is this one from 1993 with the boy choking <laughs> himself? <laughs> so it doesn't have a title. Um uh before my mom died none of the paintings had titles. Um I had a really painful conversation with her um, at the very end of her life when she asked me if my paintings were about anything at all. Oh, wow. And I love my mom and she supported me um, throughout my my entire career, my entire life. Um, but she was outside of the work. Um, always just thought of it as um, a curiosity, you know, the, the artistic endeavor, the painting endeavor. Yeah. Um, so it, w- it was difficult to hear that. Uh, you know, because I, I, I do hope that um, the paintings have a communicative component to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for my mom, I started titling my work. Um, or for people, I guess, like my mom, I started titling my work. 
as um, inroads mm-hmm. to it. Um, I, I'm not. Um, I, I mean, you know from my from my paintings that I uh, I appreciate the oblique. Mm-hmm. Um, so the titles are quite oblique at times. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Words of jeer doesn't necessarily right. describe what's going on in that painting, but right. I hope that it's um, suitably uncomfortable. Yeah. A selection of words yeah. that, that are in keeping with what's happening in the painting. So to get back to this painting, it doesn't have a title. If I were to show it, I, I could probably come up with something. <laughs> but um, but the, the story around this painting is that I was um, in college. Uh, I guess I was maybe a sophomore in college. And um, throughout, throughout my college years, I, I worked as a lifeguard. I worked as a swim instructor, uh, summer break, to make, mm-hmm. to make some money for school. And uh, so I was looking at, at uh, CPR books, and I just thought that that image was suitably disturbing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is a poor little kid choking. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I, I, you know, I had some Xeroxes made of it, or I, I made Xeroxes, flipped it around, stacked it up. Um, and then, yeah, that's like a seven and a half foot painting. I did, wow. I did it one summer. Wow. <laughs> and wow. it was, it was probably, cool. it's the first big painting I ever made. Um, I think this is the first time my family were ever like, oh, damn, okay. You're really going for it here. Because I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I started yeah, yeah. painting kind of late in um, my childhood. You know, I was mm-hmm. a senior in high school before I started mm. painting. So this is just a year or two into it. And then that's interesting. Like, okay, well, scale, disturbing imagery. And I think I, had a, I think I had a party, like in the garage where I painted that. I had a bunch of people from, from work over. That was so fun. That's cool. I think because everybody recognized the source image. You know, all the, all the lifeguards are like, oh, oh that's, 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 from that's, our, funny. that's from our book. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, so it, it was a way, I guess, like, you know, to sort of connect with the people I was working with, you know, make something um, or to try and make something profound out of, um, you know, a college summer job. This is a really interesting painting here. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. So the, the painting right before it um, was yeah. grad school. That one is interesting, too. I just... And, I, yeah. and I, I figured, like, to go from the, the choking child to this, I mean, you can kind of see that order, mm-hmm. I'm, I have an orderly mind. Yes. Um, or it's just, it's just how I started out making paintings. Um, yeah. They, they're reductive, but they're a little bit bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, I consciously was, o- like, I was overwhelmed by the possibilities of painting when I was young. And so I consciously stripped out surface difference, touch, mm-hmm. um, speed, gesture. There, there are a lot of things that I stripped out of painting. Um, so in the last one, it was like it was based on a Xerox. Everything was very methodical. It was just done with a little brush. This one, this is an oil painting, um, and it's freehand. Um, it Steady o- hands. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Um, and at, at around this time, uh, a cousin of mine had had died in a car crash, and so I, I made a bunch of paintings that were, in some ways, trying to um, make sense of that loss. Um, I wasn't incredibly close. Um, with him, but I was thinking a lot about his family. Um, so this painting has motifs from road signs, um, kind of like um, you know, like like a like danger ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the four corners, they're like headlights, kind of all converging. So in grad school, I, when I was painting with the, with the oil here, this is the only time in my life I've really done it. Um, symbolism kind of came to the fore. Mm. Color came to the fore. Um, and a kind of complexity, but symbol, they're, they're all highly symbolic. So if you go to this next painting, that's I'm, from two thousand. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of grad school at this point, 
This one's interesting because it also has dimensionality in it, like a three-dimensional quality to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, so after grad school, I, I lived in Boston for a little while, but then um, I made the socially disastrous decision to move back home with my mom. My and is mom, your mom from New Haven? Or? No, we grew up. Uh, I grew up mostly outside of Boston. Okay. Um, so when my mom remarried, um, I have now three three half sisters from my mom's second marriage. Um, and so this was around the time when all of my sisters were gone were gone for college. So I kind of okay. moved back with her, sort of a last hurrah with my mom. Um, she loved having me around, but it was really tough making paintings in the suburbs. Yeah. So I was in the garage of my mom's house making paintings like this. This is also really big. It's about seven feet across. And it's I, I think of the work from this time period as um, intensely claustrophobic. Mm, I get and, that. And, and willingly so. I, I wanted it to 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 be as um as uh, bonkers as possible. So everything's masked out. It's really tight. I didn't have a lot of drawings that led to it. Maybe I had a, a few little doodles, like Sharpie doodles. Mm-hmm. So some of the shapes I could have maybe sort of like, oh, I'll do, I'll do this in the, the right side or I'll do that in the left side. But there are symbols in there. There's like like a little, um, see, it's a little like house in there. It's like an empty mm-hmm. house. Um, there, at this point, there there were times when I was, I would, I would use like a, like a Rubik's cube as like a, like a symbol. Um, sort of a stand-in for the fi- for me or the fi- or the f- or a figure. Um, there, so there are a lot of there are a lot of like kind of encoded messages yeah. in these paintings. Um, it's just they're, they're kind of ruminative. Yeah. Um, just sort of like you know spending a lot of time alone, living with their mom. <laughs> so, but I'm really proud of that work. I um, think that's I've, a I've yeah. Never, I've never seen I've never shown these paintings. It's uh, a it's all, kind of, it's an impressive. Well, thank you. Uh, feet. Well, I, I would imagine to just like just drawing that all out and it was it was you know, really fun to build it. I mean, I was thinking keeping, a lot about Al Held probably yeah, at the time. Yeah. Those kind of trippy sure. Al Held paintings. You said you you removed touch yeah. and all these different variables of paint. Uh-huh. What led you to want to bring it back, bring it in? I was meeting my wife. When I met my wife, um or the the woman who had become my wife, um yeah, I don't think I'd met her at that point. Yeah, sort of around this time. So this is maybe 2004, 2000, I think 2004, um, 2005. I felt like um, the paintings weren't sensuous enough. Mm. They weren't romantic enough. And romantic in like the like romanticism, right? Like they didn't have enough of the, uh, the thrill and the fear of intimacy or being overwhelmed. They were controlled. My paintings were, they were just really tight. They were singular. I was um, romanticizing. Um, if I, if I, if they had romanticism, it was like the romanticism of isolation, of like being strong and hard and self-sufficient, not needing community, not needing anyone backing me up. So that's like, that's like the, the toughness of those early paintings. It's a, it's a belief in self-sufficiency. Um, and then I met my wife and I was just, I just seemed, they seemed foolish. They seemed cold, true, true to who I was in my twenties, but not right anymore. They didn't tell enough of the animal story. So I, I started adding um, a lot of gel into the acrylic, just mm-hmm. so that they had a translucency. There were um, surface fluctuations in color. Um, they were still like razor sharp, um, but I, I wanted the, the surfaces to be more alluring, um, more inviting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so little by little, they got less and less rigid. 
I wanted to get to your long running project, Gorky's granddaughter, which is the interviewing artists and going to their studios. A lot of the artists that I have researched for this podcast, I've watched their videos like Kat Balco's and Howard Eliazine. It was pretty interesting to watch. How is that kind of experience of going into artists' studios and, and hearing them talk about their practice and talking about their practice affected your practice as an artist? Um, I've loved doing the project. Uh, I hope to do more of it in the future. Um, it has uh, encouraged my impulse to make the paintings varied. Uh, that democratic impulse that I was talking about earlier, mm -hmm. where you've got um, conflicting uh, energies. Um, sometimes they dance really nicely together. Other times they're just contradictory, internally contradictory. Um, when Chris and I visit studios, what we tend to do is we'll visit three artists in a day. And so for us, there's the challenge, but also the thrill of trying to calibrate our own minds and our own language from one artist to the next during the course of a day, which can be really challenging because we want there to be great diversity in mm -hmm. who we're talking with. Um, so maybe we'll talk with a painter, a photographer, and a performance artist in one day. Mm. And they're just, like everyone comes at it from such different places. Um, the language they use is completely different. You know, the importance of what things look like is incredibly, incredibly different. So it's, it's just uh, the, the project is um, an experiment in generosity as we're doing this for other people for free. But it's also a, a real kick in the pants to bring diversity to, to, to within my own work. But, I, you know, I feel like the paintings have gotten crazier since I started doing the interviews. That's, that's interesting. And I, I, I think it makes, it kind of goes actually back to our conversation about modernism and postmodernism, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. I think of modernism, I don't necessarily think all the artists who are modernist artists were this way, but that sort of idea of modernism as being the truth and the right way. Um, I think it's kind of postmodernist to include hmm. different hmm. ideas and viewpoints into the work. Sure, in that sense, I would I would, I would love to be a postmodernist. Do you know what I'm in saying? In that sense, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's true. You know, I'm I'm reading this book, um, Ninth Street Women, mm -hmm. and I'm loving it. And uh, there were certainly artists who were generous, but there were many artists who were real territorial. Yeah. Uh, egomaniacs. And there still it's, are. It's, it's still that way, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, mean, I, I think the endeavor that I've, I've taken on with Chris to, to make all these videos, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's an experiment. It's unusual that artists would just like kind of hit the road and, you know, want to learn so publicly. It's a learning experience, right? Totally. But I, I've, I've become addicted to it. It's really fun to meet people. Call up people you're interested in, curious by. Um, a lot of the people we're talking with these days have been strangers. Mm -hmm. So there's no, you know, no, no planning, no, pre no preparatory work really other than just like seeing what they have on their website and then and uh, showing up and then being surprised and then kind of rolling with it. Yeah. It's been really, it's been really great. You are someone who it seems like has a great deal of studio discipline as in you pump out paintings all the time. And I don't mean that in pumping out like factory style, but mm -hmm. I mean that you just sustain it. See, I don't know you very well, mm -hmm. but my sense of you is that you sustain a kind of a steady production of art. Do you have a set studio routine that you hold yourself to? No, but I work a lot. 
Yeah. It's not set, but it's I work a lot. Um, yeah. I think it um, it's rooted in desperation. I'm terrified of wasting this opportunity of being alive. I mean, this may be the only chance I get. Um, so I just, I, I want to um, corral as much living as I can. Yeah. And um, make something positive out of it. So that's why more is more. I think that's a good place to leave it. It was nice talking with you, David. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on and taking the time and taking the time to show me your studio. Absolutely. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. If you like the show, give us a good rating. And if you have a moment, write a review. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Bruce Barber, director of WNHU, for providing the resources and guidance to make this podcast possible. 